Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Coach and Cole Show. It is Friday, January 20th, 2017, and we're coming to your earbuds live on Blog Talk Radio. I'm here with Cole. Hey, And Cole, I'm, I'm freshly back from a little trip to uh, Las Vegas last weekend. Had a great time. But uh, I had to catch up on some sleep, you know, yesterday and the day before. Uh, you know, they say that Vegas is a city that never sleeps. That's pretty much true for the most part. And we didn't do a whole lot of sleeping down there. But, uh, you know, we had a good time. We were down there for Contrarian Cole's bachelor party. And uh, he's getting himself married to a beautiful gal. And good for them, you know, good for them. Yeah, that will be nice for him. <laughs> But you know, we we ha- like I said, we have a good we had a good time. There probably isn't a better to have a bachelor party in the world. I mean, you know, I mean, we, we stayed on on Fremont Street. They call it downtown. The locals call it downtown down there. And uh, you know, that place is really it's been remodeled and kind of redone in the in the recent years, from what I hear. And uh, it's just the place to be, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, we checked out the strip. Uh, it was his first time there. So we checked out Caesar's Palace and we checked out the Bellagio water show and we walked the strip and, you know, you got to have a good pair of walking shoes on to walk that strip. You know, uh, you've never been to Vegas, have you? Uh, Not in real life. Not, not in real life, huh? Where, where have you, where have you been to Vegas? I'm not sure. I'm just going to say no. (laughs) I I couldn't think of anything funny. (laughs) Uh, I, I was thinking you were going to say like Grand Theft Auto or something. That might I think I have. If, they, if, that, they, if that's a thing on Grand Theft Auto. I mean, I, I've played that a I, lot. So. I think, I, I don't know if it was, but that sound, sounds good anyway. But, we'll take it. But uh, yeah, it's, it's just such a big, the strip has turned into just this huge, huge area. And uh, like Cole was saying, when we were down there. It's like, you know, you're looking at this building. It's right there, but it takes you five minutes to walk to it. And it looks like it's right next to you. And I, I, I suppose that's like that in any big city like that. But he was pretty impressed with that. And uh, we, we went into a, a sports memorabilia place uh, down there in Caesars Palace. And they had uh, everything from, you know, Joe Montana autographs, Michael Jordan jerseys autographed. I mean, everything in frames and pictures, photographs. I mean, just footballs, uh, helmets, you name it. Pretty, pretty, pretty cool. Uh, to, you know, it makes you wonder what the insurance policy that guy's got to have to have all that stuff. I mean, um, some of the things in there were were, uh, were for sale for, you know, thousands, almost $10,000, depending on what it was. There was uh, a helmet signed by uh, every Hall of Famer in Canton. That's a lot, wow. obviously. Uh, so, and I think that was like seven or $8,000. I mean, so... Just, just you know, it's just uh, it's a different world for sure. Um, and I know that you know I've I've had family that have lived down there, and it's it's not, you know, living there isn't like living on the strip or living downtown on Fremont Street. And I think you know you're naive if you think it's always that that way. But it was a good time. Um, as far as the gambling went, I'm I'm more of a roulette guy. I kind of sat and, and played a lot of roulette. Um, I like the percentages on that you know if i if, if you sit in front of a machine and pump money into that your 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 odds aren't very good yeah you can get lucky here or there but 
far as roulette goes, I can play percentages and kind of look at the numbers and, and do the math in my mind. And, and, and I think I have a better chance to win on that. So that's kind of, that's kind of where I gravitate to, uh, is the roulette wheel. But I don't know, uh, if you're, if you're, if you're going to go there and you're going to gamble, what are you going to play? Russian roulette. Oh, oh, Russian roulette. Yeah. I'm just a real, I like to gamble a lot with just like really high stakes. Okay. <laughs> All right. You like it. High. So, so you're a guy that's, that's, uh, you know, you're not going to go to the, the $5 minimum table. You're, you're a high oh, stakes no. guy. No, oh, yeah. no, that's yeah. not your style. No. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not I'm not uh, much of a huge gambler like that. Um the most I've ever like gambled was just playing blackjack with just buddies and I mean like like a twenty dollar buy in or something like that. Like I've never been huge into that. Um Right. I'd probably lose all my shit if I went to Vegas. Yeah, uh Cole Contrarian Cole pretty much lost his shit. He 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 uh, his first time down there and you get excited and, and, uh, yeah, he, he lost, he, he didn't do so hot. So, yeah. but you know, like I said, we had a good time and you know, when you, when you're taking a trip like that, you're going someplace, you know, you got to get on a plane and I think it's everyone's worst nightmare. You sit down on those, on the seat of the airplane and you're sitting next to a guy that's just, you know, either annoying or coming out of the seat or something, you know, and that's kind of what I got on the way down there. Um, there was five of us that went and, and, uh, the three guys were on one side and then there was, a, a another three, it was two rows of three with an aisle down the middle on this plane. And, and, uh, it was really, really cramped that it was the most uncomfortable flight I've ever taken. Uh, the seats did not recline and it was really, really hot on that plane. And, uh, I had a guy next to me, I'd like to call captain crunch because this guy, from the moment I sat down, he did not stop eating. And he wasn't just eating like a bag of chips or like just like a normal snack. This guy had like a smorgasbord. I was surprised he didn't take, he didn't take out like a picnic, ta- uh, picnic na- uh, placemats and, and, and tablecloth and throw it out in front of himself on the, on the uh, slide down table from the seat in front of him because the guy, the guy had a bag pack full of food. I mean, it's a three-hour flight, dude. Uh, he had, and the worst part about it was, is, uh, I don't know, you know, when he wasn't eating, he's got his little, uh, iPad and, uh, you know, I was going to say something to the guy cause he, you know, he's, he wasn't friendly. He didn't say anything. He never said, hi, how you doing? Where are you from? None of that. So I didn't really acknowledge him either because, you know, two can play that game. And, uh, he, when he wasn't chowing on food in my ear, he he was watching these like instructional videos and reading these pamphlets on some Ponzi pyramid scheme. And I mean, just par for course, what an idiot he is. But uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I don't know. So, so he had, so he, he rips open this bag of uh, this, this bag of uh, just stinky beef jerky, man. And it, it just, it just stank. I mean, just the stench was just, terrible and you're you know you, and, and if it, it is one thing but if yeah but it, but if it ain't you're jerky and you gotta smell that it's just oh man and then he, he's got that is, that is berries jerky though like if it's not yours it smells bad a lot of times yeah 
yeah, yeah, it smelled terrible, and I, I couldn't take it. I mean, and not to mention, so you got this nauseating smell. You got no AC. You're cramped in this seat. I was in the middle. Uh, nowhere to put your head. I mean, God, it was just a terrible, terrible uh, flight. So for all you listening out there that are going to travel, come on. Lay off on the snacks on a three-hour flight, man. You can, <laughs> Mommy can pack you a lunch for later. You don't need to take it on the plane with you. Um, I mean, have a little courtesy to the guy next to you. You know, I mean. Maybe, maybe the guy was bulking up. Well, if you've seen him, he was he he, he wasn't bulking up. That's for sure. He was uh, he was uh, he was he was probably about a buck fifty soaking wet. He was a little he was yeah, a small he, guy. I'm so, he must he must yeah, have a big metabolism. Up. He's bulking up, I guess. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I don't know. He he wasn't on the flight back, so uh, maybe he you know, died. That was good. And the karma came back back my way because on the flight back there was nobody next to us. So uh, I got to slide over. We had that seat cushion, kind of like when you go to the urinal. You always want a cushion. You know, you don't walk up next to the guy at the urinal. You give him a, you give him a cushion, a courtesy urinal. Well, that's kind of what right you want to play. <laughs> I wait for the one you, he's using. Yeah, you want that. <laughs> yeah, well, most people give him a courtesy urinal. Uh, yeah. and, you know, that's kind of what you want on the plane. You want that courtesy seat. So that was nice sat in the window seat on the way back but you know so that's my airplane story uh let's get on with this show here remember you can catch us on demand on itunes and on TuneIn. please subscribe to us on whichever whichever format you listen to the coach and cole show we'd appreciate it hit that subscribe button all the shows will be automatically downloaded to your device that you own and uh yeah listen to the show we appreciate it you're listening right now we're live on blog talk radio and uh moving on Let's get into our uh, predictions from last week, our game-by-game predictions. Now, going into last week, we were both 4-0, and we were unbelievably accurate on our predictions last week, uh, the week before. And yeah. so we had a lot to live up to going into this week. But for the most part, I think we, uh, we lived up to it. Uh, looking at last week, the first game of the weekend was Seattle at Atlanta. Uh, we both had Atlanta. Um, pretty close on the score. Uh, I said 31 to 24. You said 27, 23, uh, Atlanta came away with the victory. So we were both right there. Um, you know, we, I was traveling during that game, so I didn't get to see much of it. Uh, but, uh, from, from the sounds of it, uh, Atlanta was pretty much in control the whole time. Did you, did you catch a lot of that game? I didn't watch a whole lot. I don't know why. I can't really remember. I don't remember things longer than like two days uh, that it happened. So I don't really remember. Um, But from what I did watch, I do remember that Atlanta was in control a lot of the game and their Seattle's defense just couldn't get much of a, like anything going against Atlanta's offense. Like they couldn't really pressure Ryan and just, I mean, Julio only had 67 yards, but just their offense as a whole, like everything was kind of just working. Yeah, and, you know, that's the thing with them. I mean, yeah, you can stop Julio, but, you know, the the fact that Julio was actually hurt throughout the year, I think, helped them in the long run because it allowed guys like Taylor Gabriel, uh, Sanu, uh, and these role players to kind of step up and, and, and get themselves into a role as far as the team's going, going forward. So, 
Um, now Ryan's comfortable looking at other directions, not just Julio. And so that's that's a problem Green Bay is going to have this week. But uh, we'll talk about that later. The next game was Houston at New England. And uh, I did happen to see some of this uh, at the casino. We were kind of – we had just gotten gotten into Vegas, and I caught bits and pieces of it. We both had New England, no surprise there. Uh, I said 41-20. Uh, the score wasn't ex- as close as your prediction of 33-13, to which was pretty darn close of the actual score, 34-16. to But uh, my call of the week was, and we'll get to those later as well, later portion of the show, but my call of the week was that Houston would keep this thing close into the third quarter, and that's exactly what happened. And I, I just thought that uh, Houston had a lot of heart. We've seen that throughout the year and especially in the playoff game previous and that defense was able to kind of keep it keep it close for them um they they weren't able to get it done but i think uh you know we both uh, everyone pretty much thought new england would take care of them and that's what they did during the championship game and then uh, no doubt the best game of the weekend one thing uh, green big yeah yeah what, what do you got uh if houston had any of the other quarterbacks playing in the divisional weekend they would have kicked New England's ass. I really believe that. I, I can't argue that. I mean, you know, uh, we've we've talked about it on the show uh, many times. It, it, you know, if they if they had somebody that could get the ball to their weapons, uh, you know, they'd be a totally different team. Um, you know, they had a pretty decent running game throughout the year, but when when you have no threat in the air or downfield, there's no reason not to stack the box and stop the run on them. So. Um, they just they just had trouble scoring points this season, and 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 I think he's definitely definitely the reason why. It'll be interesting to see what Houston does uh, going forward uh, as far as the quarterback situation. Um, you know, they gave that guy a lot of money, so are they going to keep him around, or are they going to go shopping, or in the draft, or what are they going to do? It's going to be interesting. Yep. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Green Bay and Dallas, that was the game of the weekend. Green Bay yeah. goes into Jerry World, and they got off to a hot start. And it was looking like this one could get away from Dallas. But they were able to to pull it together, and, and really in the later half of the second quarter, they were able to to, to reel Green Bay back in. And it was, it was looking uh, pretty good for Dallas there uh, throughout the rest of the game. They had momentum back on their side. And, you know, I heard a lot about the referees in this game. Um, you know, the the one that sticks out in my mind is the non-call on Devontae Adams with the shoulder pad hanging out of the jersey. How do you not call that? Um, there was uh, a guy from work who's not a Packer fan. He's a Vikings fan. Um, he made a comment saying – I forgot exactly what he said. He said something along the lines of, like uh, – the Packers had the uh, had the twelfth man, you know, that the guy in the the in the stripes, and I was very confused on what the hell he was talking about. And I'm assuming he was talking about that one play with Witten probably could have got called a uh, pass interference. Um, yep. I didn't say anything because, as I told you before the show, I don't really like to talk football with people who have no idea what the hell they're talking about. So I didn't say anything. <laughs> uh, but. I'm assuming that he just forgot the play that you're talking about where Devonta Adams shoulder pad comes out of his, uh, out of his Jersey because he got tugged on so hard. And then there's another play where Devonta Adams gets 
pulled down by the neck area, like by the shoulder pads, neck area, um, by Mo Claiborne, you know, like a couple of series later, like I'm, I'm assuming you just didn't see those plays because how can you say that it's one, like the refs are going for one side when that obviously isn't true. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah the refs, the refs kind of did suck overall, but I think they kind of were consistent on how bad they sucked. Like they let them play like pretty much the whole entire time. Right. And you know, I, I hear that a lot. And I think what it is, is if you hate a team and you watch the game, uh, you're, you're automatically going to think that the refs are for that team. If they win a game and if there's a, a, a controversial call or not even a controversial call, just a call in general that goes in favor of the team you hate, that's automatically the, oh, the refs are, they're bought, they're, they're bought, uh, they're, you know, the refs are for that team. So I think that's kind of a common complaints or common uh, thread as far as salty, yeah. salty fans. So uh, they ended up winning 34 to 31. What a play by Rogers and cook to get down into field goal range. Crosby kicked two throw. in a row. Unbelievable. There's a, that, that guy is just in an, he's on another level. There's no doubt about it. Um, you know, the things that that guy can do, and, and he makes it look so effortless. There's, he's not even stepping into these throws. This is with a flick of the wrist, a 30-yard pass on a rope. And the catch was just he, – he bent down to, get the, to catch the ball. He, he had to bend his knees and get low to catch the ball. But he had the wherewithal to keep his toes in bounds. And in real time, it looked like he was out of bounds. It looked like his knees were on the ground. But yeah. they weren't. His knees weren't on the ground. They made the right call. That was a great call by the refs in live action. Like they didn't even, well, I mean, they did review it, but that guy to get it right, right away. That was a great call. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you, you said 33 to 20, pretty darn close. I said 27, 24. Um, I I was right on the fact that it was a three point game. That's kind of how I thought it was going to go down to a late uh, last uh, second field goal like that. Just had a feeling it was going to be a nail biter. Uh, and then the last game of the weekend, the one that got moved due to weather, Pittsburgh at Kansas City. And this is where we finally uh, made a different call. You had Pittsburgh, 26-23. I, I took Kansas City, 24-16. to And, you know, we talked about it on the show. I just thought Kansas City was in a better spot. I thought Andy Reid after the bye uh, at home, Pittsburgh on the road. I, I just thought all things pointed in the direction of, Kansas City finally getting a win in the playoffs and moving forward, but uh, they couldn't get it done, and they lost to a team that didn't score a touchdown. And yeah, uh, <laughs> eighteen to sixteen was the final. Pittsburgh moves on, so you're perfect. You are eight and zero on the postseason, and that puts me at seven and one. So uh, you know that's that's why they pay us the big bucks because uh, you know. We're, we're pretty accurate yeah, on these games. predictions. Eight and zero and seven and one. That's why uh, I just everyone's listening to the coach and coach show. I think it's hilarious that the Chiefs held a team without a touchdown. Like they didn't score even on special teams, like a punt return or a kick return or anything. Like no defensive touchdowns, no offensive touchdowns, no touchdowns whatsoever, and they lost a playoff game. How bad is your team? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's just yeah. Uh, you, if you would have. Yeah, if you would have said that to me, that Pittsburgh was not going to score a touchdown, I would have bet my house on Kansas City. Andy Reid is actually a really – like, he's obviously pretty good. He's been in a lot of deep playoffs uh, through the years with 
the Eagles and now the Chiefs, but like his time management is weird and his use of timeouts are weird. I I don't know. I, yeah. I mean, I know we're sitting on a couch watching it, so it's easier for us to, you know, because well, we don't have. Well, here's the thing. There's no, ex- there's no excuse for it. Um, you know, uh, at the at the high school level where I coach at, um, you know, you you've got to be on top of all these things, and obviously it's a lot less complicated and complex op- and calls and and things that are going on are, are a lot less complex at the, than at the NFL level, um, obviously. But there's really no excuse for an NFL team to miss to have bad clock management or misuse their clock management or their timeouts because they have a guy whose job is time management. He sits there with a stopwatch and a chart and a clipboard and he tells somebody that's on the headset what to do, when to do it based on percentages. So if these teams can't figure it out, it's just mind boggling to me. And you're right. Andy Reid over the course of his career has been a guy who doesn't seem to be able to get it right. It's just, it's mind boggling. Uh, you know, I always think it's funny what you always say is, uh, you know, they need to play a little bit more Madden. Get, get I on think the video they do. Game. I mean, I play Madden all the time I mean, and I'm great at time management. I get all my timeouts when I need them. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't, I, mean, I don't yeah. usually need them because I'm blowing out teams. I don't, you know, that's just my style. it's just funny to me, you know, uh, you make a good point there at the the management. It's just, I I don't know how they, they can't get it figured out, but nevertheless, Pittsburgh moves on. And uh, so, so it's uh, Pittsburgh and new England, green Bay and Atlanta. We'll get into that later on, but now we're going to get into the lineup recap portion of the show. And that's brought to you in part by FanDuel. We at the coach and Cole show have recently partnered with our friends at FanDuel who brought you our listeners contest, that was the first ever guaranteed coach and coach show contest on FanDuel. And if you've never tried FanDuel before, now is your chance to get in on the fun and support the coach and Cole show. Go either go to either our Facebook page or our Twitter feed and click the link that we have posted that will bring you directly to the FanDuel homepage where you can sign up. Yep. You, you only have to deposit as little as $10 to start. And depending on what contest you enter, you can double, triple, quadruple, or even quintuple that in one contest on FanDuel. And by clicking our link that we have provided, FanDuel will kick back a couple bucks to us to help us pay for bringing you the show free on a weekly basis. So if you're new to FanDuel, get on over to our pages and click that link. So speaking of our Coach and Cole listeners only contest on FanDuel, uh, we're going to go over last week's contest. Now the first week, uh, two weeks ago, our first time on FanDuel, yours truly took the crown. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm proud of you this week because you're able to back that up and give us a little bit of credibility going forward because this week you ran away with this thing, uh, winning it by 12 points, 12.3 point four. Wow. 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 12, 12.34 to be exact. Yeah. And, uh, that was a spin cycle there. Wow. And, uh, took her, yeah, took her down. And you had yourself quite the lineup there. I don't know if you played that lineup in anything other than this contest, but if you did, you probably won yourself some money. Why don't you uh, go ahead and give us a rundown? Good for you. Why don't you, you. give us a little bit of <laughs> a will. rundown on uh, who you picked and why and uh, what happened there? All right. 
Uh, I went with A-Rod over at quarterback. Uh, I think he was like the number one play at quarterback for everyone pretty much. Um, then I did uh, pay up for Bell this time. I didn't do it last week. He was cheaper this week. I uh, still went with him. Oh, yeah, Rogers got me uh, – Got well, he got everyone. He got me uh, 22.84 points. Uh, Bell, I mean, 17.6. And then a cheaper guy at running back who really just I, – I don't know how many people had him. I, I don't think a lot of people did. Uh, Deion Lewis, got me 23. He had that kick return. He had a, uh, a rushing touchdown – or a, a receiving touchdown and a rushing touchdown. So, yeah, he, a lot of touchdowns from that guy. Uh, Devontae Adams, um, I just figured with Jordy out, he'd be a good guy to target. Uh, he got me 10, so it's not terrible. Um, and then Julian Edelman, I thought him and Lewis were just going to be the I, – I think I said that when I was breaking down the game last week. Like him and Lewis, um, well, especially Edelman, were just going to be the whole offense. Uh, and then they were going to run the ball later, and that's kind of what happened. Uh, he got me 18.9. I went with Taylor Gabriel. He only got me nine, but for his price, nine isn't terrible. Uh, Jared Cook, he was big. He uh, was one of the cheaper-ish options. I mean, I think he was like third or fourth um, most expensive, but just uh, he was still only like 6000 or something like that. I can't really remember. But he got me 19. Uh, Jimmy Graham, I think, was – was Jimmy Graham the most expensive one, or was it – Kelsey. I think Kelsey was. Jimmy Graham was right there. Uh, he got more points. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, he got me 10 points more than Jimmy Graham. So, I mean, that, that right there is really nice. And then Dan Bailey, he's in a dome. Uh, he got me 15. And like you said last week, if you get a guy in a dome in the playoffs this late in the season, obviously, uh, that's a pretty good bet to go with a kicker in one of those games. And then I went with the Patriots defense. They got me 16 points. Uh, with Brock Weiler at quarterback, you're good to get at least one interception. So that's yeah. what yeah. happened with me. Absolutely. And uh, I almost brought up the rear in this thing, and I, I kind of took on the role that you had. I wanted to make sure that somebody else won this thing this week. You know, I just right. wanted to. It's pretty generous. Yeah, it's a generous thing to do. Um, you know, I did break 100, so it's, 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 it's not, uh, you know, it's not, humiliating really by any means. And, and I, like I said, I didn't take last. So uh, 104.24 was the total and looking at the lineup, you know, it, it wasn't that bad. I mean, I, I also had Aaron Rodgers 22.8, like you mentioned. Um, I also held, had Le'Veon Bell who had 17 and, you know, we had a lot in common in these lineups. I had uh, Devonte Adams and I had uh, Taylor Gabriel as well. I, I said on the show, I really like Gabriel. He did end up with a couple of nice catches in that game. Wasn't able to find the end zone, which would have really helped. Um, and Devontae Adams, same thing, you know, wasn't able to find the end zone. If he had, uh, you know, it would have been a nicer day. Uh, I went with Spencer Ware at running back. And that was, you know, the whole narrative that I had going with the Chiefs uh, beating Pittsburgh at home. And so I had Spencer Ware, 10.6. He found the end zone. So, I mean, it wasn't a terrible uh terrible uh, outcome from him, but it wasn't really what you needed to win this thing. And then I, I had the chiefs defense and I just thought that uh, they, they would get to Ben force a turnover or two. Um, you know, I think they did have one interception in the game. Um, you know, and I thought, I think uh, they did. yeah, they did. And 
you know, I thought I thought they would be a little bit more successful than they were, but it, it didn't work out that way. Cold weather game, the weather was going to play a factor in my eyes. And, you know, they did hold them without a touchdown, but they only had four points, so that wasn't enough to get it done. And then, like you said, uh, uh, taking a kicker in a dome, I did the same thing. Matt Bryant had ten points. I thought that was the way to do it, taking somebody that wasn't in a dome. Uh, wasn't really too smart, but if you had Chris Boswell from Pittsburgh, you're sitting pretty because uh, he had all the points. So, you know, right. sometimes it goes against you, but, you know, just logically thinking that's a smart way to do it. And then, you know, in this contest, I went with Jimmy Graham. You know, I just, I, I've been on the Jimmy Graham train all year, had him in season long. Uh, I, I played him a lot during the season. I just thought that his upside is unmatched as far as the tight end position goes. And that's kind of why I went with him in this contest because Atlanta was so bad against tight ends. But this was actually the only lineup that I had Jimmy Graham in. I went um, every other lineup I played had Jared Cook in it, and so uh, I really like the Jared Cook play. Um, I like him again this week too, and we'll talk about that later. But I had Jimmy Graham nine point seven points, and then my my value guy Paul Richardson, uh, Zach Bruner, and myself, and you talked about him on the show last week. Ten point three points. Um, you know that's that's pretty darn good out of a guy who was forty, I think forty seven hundred last week. So you can't ask for any more there. Um, you know, and then just, just because we had him on the show, uh, I'd like to touch on his lineup last week, and that's, that's Zach's. He was able to take third in this thing. And um, congratulations to him for, for taking home some money and being a part of this thing. It's pretty cool uh, that our listeners got to go against him uh, in this thing last week. And he went with Aaron Rodgers as well. Uh, he had Ezekiel Elliott and Ty Montgomery. So he went both running backs in that game. Um, interesting, interesting, uh, move there. And, you know, he was, uh, really high on Dion Lewis on the show. So we kind of thought he would have him, but yeah, he went Montgomery and wow, did that pay off for him? 23.1 points. He got in the end zone twice. Um, really good play. And then he went Julio Jones, 15 and a half points. Um, you know, that's standard Julian Edelman always like yourself. Uh, he played him as well. Always a, a, uh, solid play any format 18.9 he went with paul richardson too when he mentioned him on the show uh 10.3 he had jimmy graham he went with a lot of seahawks uh here he had steven hauschka as well uh, a kicker eight points uh that's not bad but the the defense you really wanted was that new england defense and he had them as well so uh with a with 137 total uh he was able able to take third and you know, just let's, as long as we got this thing pulled up, let's shout out a couple of the listeners here that uh, took home some money in this thing. Uh, you know, I, I might uh, mispronounce some of this stuff, but uh, taking second with 140 was Sid Mad, S-Y-D-M-A-D-D. Congratulations to you. Uh, fourth was Hardest Hawk uh, with 136.6. And then Wait, uh, 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 Hardest Hawk. <laughs> Do you get? I think I get why he needed that. That's funny. Uh, that's yeah, that's really funny. funny. That's clever. That's definitely clever. I'm gonna see if uh, I can friend that yeah, guy. You, you got me there, uh, uh, Hawk. Art you, Hawk. You got me there. <laughs> Art Hawk. Got me there. Oh, that was good. Oh man! Wow. Uh, I didn't notice that until just now. Obviously. Yeah, me neither. That's me neither. I, I didn't put uh I didn't put two and two together, but uh that's funny. Good for him. That's that's clever. Uh he took fourth. Uh and then 
in fifth place, uh, C. Vond won uh, with 131.94. So congrats By to you guys. Who were, yeah, yeah, and you know that from uh, from fifth to seventh was really close there. Uh, uh, and you know that's a good point. Uh, uh, sixth, 131.64. So point three behind him, and then point four be, uh, behind fifth was uh, Billy 29.91. And um, for those of you who have been listening to the show, that's actually uh, the OFFL champ this season, Joe Olson. Uh, mm. He was able to take seventh. He uh, he he was he was doing real well throughout the course of the weekend, and then that last day, uh, some guys passed him up, and and he wasn't able to take home any money this week. But uh, so yeah, and let's point out where uh, Contrarian Cole finished. She finished in thirteenth with one hundred eighteen point eight. He was in this thing, and so was Walkers, 110.7 and 16. So that's two weeks in a row for a poor showing for Walkers there. And mm, so, uh, yeah, yeah, poor guy. But speaking of Zach, uh, Zach, uh, let's give him a plug a little bit. And thanks a lot again for participating and coming on the show last week. He's at DFS Flurry. You can get his fantasy lineups and fantasy advice there. And then you can follow his personal Twitter, at Fantasy Flurry on Twitter. Um, and he, like I said, he's a Cleek Geeks contributor. Um, he's got his own blog. Check his stuff out. He is, uh, honestly, he's booming in popularity right now on Twitter. He's a great member of the fantasy community. He's doing a lot of good stuff. And he's given out advice and lineups for free on Twitter. There's not uh, very many that have the knowledge that this guy has that's giving it out for free, folks. So you're going to want to take advantage of that and, and jump over there and give this guy a follow because uh, it's definitely worth it, I'm telling you. And uh, him and I were speaking tonight about uh, the basketball slate tonight, nine-game slate, uh, Houston-Golden State. Uh, uh, just tipped off, did they not? Oh, no, they tipped off at seven. It was actually a really early game for these two. Uh, it's in the eight minutes, 40 seconds left in the third. I'm watching it right now, actually. Uh, it's 74 okay. to 61, Golden State's up. It's kind of getting away from Houston. Okay. Well, I don't want to tilt on the air here, so I'm not going to pay attention. We're just going to keep moving on with the show. And uh, seeing as how this is one of our last NFL-themed shows of the season, let's continue on with what's happening in the NFL. This is a a new segment for us and something that I think uh, is important to not only cover, and the fact that we've only got two games this week, we can cover some current events that's happening in the NFL. And the first one that's going on right now is that the NFL is actually upset with the Chargers, and they want them to move back to San Diego. So not only do the NFL fans hate the idea of the Chargers in L.A., so do the league's 32 owners. They're upset with the Chargers for moving. And it's not just the owners. It's the league office, and they're reportedly beside themselves over the Chargers' move. Uh, the NFL actually wants the Chargers to move back to San Diego, but the league understands that this probably isn't a realistic possibility at this point because Chargers owner Dean Spanos has already made this decision, and it's probably not going to be a warm reception if they were uh, had to uh, repack up and head back to San Diego. Um, so he's pretty much viewed as a villain in San Diego at this point. And like we talked about on the show last week, nobody really seems to care for them in Los Angeles. Not even a little uh, bit. Roger, 
Not even a little bit. And Roger Goodell made it clear on several occasions that he wanted the Chargers to remain in San Diego. They didn't do that. And again, after 21 years without a team, the league didn't really want to rush into L.A., but now they not only have the Rams, they have the Chargers as well. And so, you know, like we talked about on the show last week, team uh, is going to play in a stadium that seats only 30,000, either for a year or two, before they are uh, going to split time in uh, the Rams' new stadium in L.A. So, you know, they don't have a place to play. They don't have a warm reception from the fans in L.A. Their fans from San Diego are literally burning their jerseys in the streets, throwing their stuff away. They feel betrayed. And so, uh, you know, what do you think, you know, is a solution for this? I think they're pretty much in a lose-lose situation. I mean, what are your thoughts on this, Cole? Uh, One quick thing before I give my thoughts on that. Um, Well, it has to do with it. But Philip Rivers, I I don't remember it, like, word for word, but he was – a couple years ago or last year, when, whenever they were first talking about moving the charges to L.A., he said that he wasn't going to go. Something along those lines. Yeah. He doesn't want to play in L.A., if you remember that. Yes, I do. So, yeah, so I don't know what the hell's going on with that. But as far as these guys going, I, I mean, the, the league, I don't know. They, I mean, they don't want two teams in L.A. so soon, like you said. Like, that's just ridiculous. Like, and I, obviously they don't want them there. So what's the, like, why, why are they going? I don't understand well, I why the, they're yeah. Well, it's, it was all over the stadium. You know, they, they needed a new stadium. Qualcomm was in, it is probably one of the worst stadiums in the NFL. Uh, yeah, it's one of the oldest as well. Well, the oh, problem was, you know, and I don't have. Go ahead. Yeah. I don't have the numbers and the, and the facts in front of me. But you know they couldn't uh, they couldn't get the funding. Basically, San Diego didn't have the money to give them. Uh, their county there didn't have the money to give them. Uh, the, the Chargers owner uh, didn't want to didn't want to put up the money to build the stadium, and they you know that was basically the tipping point. They they had to get out of there so they could play in a newer That's stadium. And and now, yeah. And the thing is, I think what you're going to say is they're not even going to play in, a, in in their own stadium now anyway. So. Well, not even that. I'm saying that Spanos, a billionaire, can't put up the money to build a stadium for his own team. I don't understand why it's up to the citizens of that area to put up money for something that is not theirs. Like, the owner is obviously owning that team. Why can't he or she or whoever owns it or the group that owns it or whatever it is, billionaires put up money for their own stadium. Like, I, I don't understand that. And maybe, yeah, maybe I don't I, understand I, it. But I, I, I agree. You know, I, logic. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it, it's like uh, what, even if they had to borrow some of the money, if they couldn't, uh, you know, dip into their own pocketbooks and, and fund most of it, even if they had to borrow money from a bank or whomever to build a stadium, you would think that any bank, um, you know, that's big enough to enable to support that, uh, you know, that big of a financial burden, that uh, they would do it without questions asked because uh, within, you know, I don't know the exact math, but I would say within a decade, so maybe sooner, 
that's going to pay for itself. And then some, they're going to be making money because not only do you have in a brand new stadium, uh, not only do you have the NFL, but uh, there's other sports that could be played there and concerts and shows and everything else that can be, that can utilize the facility. And, you know, with concessions as high as they are these days and parking and, and the revenue that's going to be brought into the city and, and you name it, um, you, you'd think it would be a non-issue for these, these billionaires, like you say. So I don't really understand it either. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how this plays out for them in San Diego. And it sounds like uh, it, it, it's not out of the question that they're, they're going to have to turn around and head back. So that would be pretty be interesting if, if, if that was the case. The Pittsburgh Steelers are dealing with quite a flu bug uh, prior to their game against the Patriots. And uh, tight end Ladarius Green missed Thursday's practice. Uh, uh, Darius Hayward Bay, Chris Boswell, center B.J. Finney, quarterback Zach Mettenberger, uh, Kobe Hamilton, amongst uh, many others, uh, up to 15 people in the facility that suffered a setback as in quotes, a setback, uh, you know, uh, Le'Veon Bell did not practice, but they said that was due to personal reasons. We're not sure if he's sick at all. And Mike Tomlin, head coach, Mike Tomlin said uh, that he was pretty happy that he stayed away from the illness. He said, I quote, I'm just thankful that I've stayed out of the line of fire. We're not making excuses. There won't be, we'll be there we'll be ready to play. And this is just a part of normal things that happen over the course of the season. So Cole, my question to you is, Mm. do you think Bill Belichick and the new England Patriots planted bacteria in the Steelers facility and that we're going to find out somewhere down the road that this is going to be known as flu gate. Absolutely. 100%. (laughs) <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't be funny, but um, no, flu season. I don't know. It kicked up. Uh, as you know, I was sick Wednesday night, Thursday. I actually didn't write any of these notes today because I had the flu as well, and it was bad. Um, and the Packers have it too. Uh, Rogers has it. Uh, Jordy also had it. Uh, Mason Crosby has it. I guess some other guys have it on the Packers. So, who's going around, apparently? Yeah, yeah, I guess so. We'll have to see if that affects any of these games because, um, you know, it's, if it's bad enough, I mean, it could cause some of these guys to stay out. And, and who knows, it if it's contagious enough, it could spread. So, interesting yeah. timing of that for the Steelers, though, before the Patriots, uh, they play the Patriots <laughs> in the playoffs. I just figured I'd... I'd get I'd get your thoughts on that. I mean, if anybody did do anything, it'd definitely be the Patriots. <laughs> uh, yeah, even if they did or they didn't, uh, they'd be accused of it either way. Oh, yeah. So that segues into, into our next topic, and that's the fact, like you mentioned, that Jordy Nelson is also sick. And it's kind of been a, a theme here. If you, if you look up, uh, you know, news in the NFL, there's a lot about these players being sick. And Coach Mike McCarthy told reporters that Nelson wasn't with the team Friday because they were worried that his illness was contagious. Uh, So they Mm. basically quarantined him. They are quarantining Jordy Nelson. He is not allowed around the team. 
He's participated Mark. on a limited basis on Wednesday and Thursday due to that rib injury who uh, that, that uh, was never really brought back to attention really that much in the media like I thought it would be. And we kind of touched on that last week. I've still heard no news on any reprimands or consequences from the player that, did, uh, that caused the injury. Uh, but there's a possibility that we could see Nelson in this game. I guess we really don't know now because he's being quarantined somewhere in an undisclosed island somewhere. Uh, you know, they, they, I, I don't know where he's with it. He's not with the team because they, they think it's contagious. And like you said, a couple of the other guys uh, probably in a tent have, yeah, it, yeah, it's interesting. That's where uh, I would put him. So in, in a tent. Yeah. With a big, uh, I heard though uh, that he had, he had practiced more than they expected him with the injury, but now obviously with the uh, with the flu, it's kind of a setback. Right. Right. So uh, it'll be interesting to see that wide receiving core, uh, Devontae Adams, uh, ankle injury, and Geronimo Allison with that pulled hamstring. Uh, and and I, uh, McCarthy said, I believe it was on Wednesday, that if this was a regular season game this week, these receivers would not be suiting up. Mm-hmm. So um, we will see uh, if they're able to be healthy enough for this game and who's going to play and who's going to sit out, if anyone. So interesting news there, something to keep an eye on out of Green Bay. And then the last uh, event that I wanted to touch on was Ravens linebacker Zach Orr retiring at the age of 24 due to a neck injury. Yeah, he had a, a really good year for them this year, uh, playing that weak side linebacker position for them. He had uh, second team all-pro honors. He had three interceptions, a forced fumble, and led the team in tackles with 130. And he missed the last game of the season and was placed on injured reserve. Uh, the team labeled that a stinger and uh, wasn't really thought of it to be that serious. Uh, but he he was re- he was scheduled to be a restricted free agent in the off season, and the Ravens were making it a priority to re-sign this guy. Uh, and they had made progress on working that deal out, but um, Zach Orr decides that his health is more important and is going to walk away from the game of football. So, you know what do you, you know we've seen this before uh, with uh, his name slipping my mind out of San Francisco, Chris. Uh, Chris Borland, uh, ex, Chris Borland, ex Wisconsin linebacker, retiring early. And you know, what do you think about that? Is that something that you think we're going to see more often? Because these guys are just going to, you know, make a, a enough to live on for a while. And you know, most of these guys have a college education. Uh, you know, he's got nothing to be ashamed of. He, he played in the NFL, was an All Pro linebacker, and get out while you can. Uh, actually, uh, was it Patrick Willis or was it Chris Borland, one of the first big guys uh, as far as, like, a starting line? Like, I can't remember who did it first, but I remember that happening and talking to some people who actually can talk football, and we were talking about it, and I remember telling him, like, I think this is kind of – this isn't going to be, like, some, like, epidemic where, you know, half the team's retiring during the offseason because they don't want to play football anymore, but it's just going to happen more with younger people, not just with – guys who are 30-plus years old. These are going to happen with 25, 24-year-old guys. Um, And I think it is going to be a trend, and I don't think it's going to be terrible. But he has a – I was reading it today. He had, uh, like, a neck injury and, like, a cracked – I don't know if you said it. He had a cracked – 
I don't know if it was a vertebrae or not, um, but he definitely had a, a pretty significant neck injury. Um, and I'm all for him retiring, getting his money, and doing what it, whatever he wants to do while being healthy and not, you know, possibly paralyze himself later down the road or whatever it could happen or with all these head injuries. Uh, do you, speaking of which, do you see what Bo Jackson said about uh, Cam Newton talking about he's kind of concerned with Cam getting all these headshots and uh, just seeing what's going on with like older generations of football players with their heads, like it's been messing with everybody basically. Like, well, at this point, uh, lightly. Um, but yeah, like just head injuries to football players in general, just, um, it's really kind of scary. Uh, no, I didn't see that. So, so Bo Jackson made a comment about the fact that Newton is taking too many hits. Yeah, he. Uh, I guess he's around Cam uh, more than you know, just a normal player would be or ex-player. That Auburn, the Auburn ties. I'm sure he goes to his games and talks to him from time to time, but. Um, right, that makes sense. I just saw a little, yeah. yeah I just saw a little bit of it. Um, but yeah, he's saying he's concerned for him. Like, he's he's a big guy, so he knows he can take care of himself. But just like in general, just the headshots that he takes and just the the beating that he takes as as a quarterback, which I don't know, he does take more than the usual quarterback, obviously. And he's just kind of concerned for his health, just because the shit is pretty intense later on down the road. Yeah, absolutely, and, I, and and like you said, I don't, I don't blame uh, Zach Orr for walking away uh, at all, not one bit. Good for him, and um, hopefully uh, he has a healthy recovery. So let's get down into the meat and potatoes of the show, and that is our game by game breakdown portion of the show. We're gonna get right into this thing. We've got Green Bay visiting Atlanta. This is a sixty, yes, a sixty total in this game Atlanta is a 4.5 point favorite and um, you know Atlanta was the winner of the eight week matchup these two teams uh, like last week have already played each other Um, uh, both games are rematches of the regular season these teams played in week eight uh, and Green Bay was able to shut down Julio Jones in that matchup uh, however, Matt Ryan had a he had 288 yards in that game, and we know that the Packers secondary is going to give up plays. They're going to give up yardage to opposing offenses. They gave up 302 to Prescott last week, 299 to Eli Eye the week before, 347 to Stafford, 382 to Sam Bradford, and 362 to Matt Barkley. So there's a good chance that the quarterback playing Green Bay is going to have over a 300-yard day playing them. So the question is going to be is how bad will the MVP favorite tear up the Packers secondary? And Matt Ryan's probably going to be the top quarterback play of the week just because of this matchup on paper. And the guy that I really got my eye on as far as the, the Atlanta wide receiving core is Mohamed Sanu. He had 10 targets against them in week eight uh, as a result of that bracket coverage that we mentioned and the double teams they use with linebackers and other secondary to stop Julio Jones. Uh, We should expect that again from Dom Capers. He's been doing that the past two weeks, slowing down Odell Beckham Jr. and and slowing down Des Bryant the past two weeks. We should probably see that again this week. And the only thing is, is that the Packers slot coverage has actually improved in recent weeks 
as they've held Cole Beasley to 45 yards and Sterling Shepard to 63 yards. But to me, Mohamed Sanu uh, is my favorite wide receiver play from Atlanta. He's only 5,800. I, I just think that in the slot against this Green Bay secondary, they're going to, I think Julio Jones is the best receiver of those three that they've faced. And they're going to, they're going to do whatever they can to try to take him out of the game. Because once he gets the ball in his hands, we know what that guy can do. So Mohamed Sanu is a really good play for me. And that doesn't discount Taylor Gabriel, their big play threats uh, value um, against a defense that allows big plays. I wouldn't hesitate to play a lineup with Matt Ryan and all three of Atlanta's top wide receivers that, that you can get all four of them in a lineup, play all four of them. You're going to have to get a little funky this week. If you're going to play a tournament because there's only two games and you're going to have to try to do something that somebody else might not have. Um, you know, get before, while we get into uh, lineup construction here throughout the show, um, we can talk more about that. But, um, you know, large field tournaments are really not something that I would be interested in playing this week because there's no doubt that there's going to be a lot of other p- people that have the same lineup you do. As far as the tight end situation goes, Austin Hooper, and I'm going to mispronounce this guy's name, but Levine, Tuilolo, they're not really Tuilolo. on my radar. Tuilolo. Uh, they're not really on my radar, but if I had to choose one of them, it would be Hooper, the younger, more athletic guy. If he gets in the end zone, it could pay off. And like I said, you're going to need to get a little contrarian uh, to have some guys that other people aren't going to have. And this Atlanta running game is dangerous. We all know that. We've discussed uh, this weird thing they have with home and road splits for Freeman and Coleman in the past. And since Atlanta's at home, we should expect Freeman to find the end zone. He does that frequently. He's averaging averaging 20 touches per game in the last month. Probably the best option at running back this week that's not named Le'Veon. Uh, Coleman didn't play against Green Bay earlier in the year, but he's still a good pivot from the other running backs. He's a second-string guy, so he might not be as popular as the starters from these other games, but he's really firmly in play on such a small slate. And he shouldn't shock anyone if he's able to break a big play. Or, and I, should, I would expect um, he, he should get 8 to 10 touches, but it wouldn't shock me if he had 12 to 15. So, you know, that's kind of looking at the Atlanta side of it. Cole, what really sticks out to you uh, this week from this Atlanta side? And, and how do you think this game's going to go for this high-powered offense? Uh, well, as we know, Atlanta has a pretty – solid all-around offense, obviously. I mean, uh, Matt Ryan is going to be the MVP. He already has the AP uh, MVP. And once the once the official one comes out, he's going to get that one, obviously. Um, yep. But I have to agree with you on a lot of this stuff, mainly because I don't know anything else because I didn't do any research. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I like the idea of uh, Green Bay trying – their best to hold Julio in check as they've done with the other wide receiver ones that they've played in the playoffs, uh, leaving some other guys not open, but leaving some single coverage to some other guys like uh, Sanu. So I like Sanu. Um, actually, I kind of like Sanu more than I like Julio just because Julio can have a 150 yard game and then he could have a 50 yard game. He's very like for how many yards he's had this year. He seems to be really hit and miss. It's weird. Um, I'm going to go with Toilolo, though, at tight end. Okay. If you were to pick one. I, I like him. 
uh, just in the games that I've seen uh, Atlanta play, he, I'm pretty sure every game that I've watched, he's been in the end zone. I don't know. Maybe it's just games that I, oh, shit, I shouldn't watch because then he won't score. That's probably what it is. I'm not going to watch now. <laughs> uh, running I'm gonna back. Pull up, I'm going to pull head. up his game log here. All right, while I'm talking. Um, yeah. I do like Freeman. Uh, he does have the home road split. It's weird for running backs. I don't see how that's a thing for running backs, but uh, he has that. I like Freeman at home. I still like Coleman, though. Uh, he, as we know, he's our pass-catching uh, running back. Uh, Freeman, though, he's, he still catches some passes, so he's still getting targets. So I think you can go a lot of options. And like Coach said, uh, if you're going to go big tourney, you're going to have to get weird with your lineups. So there's a lot of different um, – matchups that you can go with, but I like a lot of Atlanta's guys, and not saying that Green Bay has a terrible defense, but they're not that good. I'll just say that. They haven't, but it's weird. Like, they make certain plays, but they still give up a lot of uh, fantasy points if you just want to go off of that, but yeah, that's all I got for Atlanta, really. I like Matt Bryant, too, at kicker. In a dome. At, oh, yeah. Um, at home against a defense that you would think that they'd get in field goal position at least. I like that. I like that play. Yeah, absolutely. And here's – I got Toy Lolo's uh, game lock. He hasn't had a touchdown since uh, November 3rd against Tampa Bay. However, the last two games he's had uh, three and four targets, and he's had a catch in uh, eight straight games and nine out of ten games. So if you play this guy at 4,500 – which is the minimum, um, you're pretty much guaranteeing yourself a catch. And if he can get into the end zone, he'll, he'll find you uh, close to 10 points, depending on the yardage. So, you know, I guess if you want to go that route and, and try to squeeze eight, seven, eight, nine points out of a guy at minimum salary, you can do that. But at, at the same price point, you can get Mr. Hooper, um, who, you know, isn't, isn't really uh, as consistent, I guess, but he either has, uh, you know, a game uh, under, under two points or, you know, uh, around seven, seven to 12 points. So um, pick your poison, I guess. I guess if you're looking at those two and the safer option is the guy who gets a catch a game versus a guy who might not get a catch, but uh, might have four or three or four catches. So, you know, like I say, it's it's a tough. Uh, they're really not on my radar, but uh, if if you have to get crazy and and you want to throw one of them guys in and just hope that they get in the end zone against this weak secondary, then I, I can't blame you. Yep. Moving on to the hottest team in football right now, and the hottest quarterback in football, Aaron Rodgers, and that's someone that I wouldn't bet against. The last time really the team played Rodgers, he's he's really hot. He's a smoking hot. I'd bang him. <laughs> the last. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> 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 Moving on. The last time these teams played, Rodgers had 308 yards and four touchdowns. And the, the, the thing I'm, I was kind of drawn to when I was looking at this is he had six rushes for 60 yards in that game. 
Atlanta's allowing the 11th most rushing yards to quarterbacks. And that really doesn't seem like much, but Rodgers is good with his feet. And there's no reason to believe he couldn't scramble for a first down or two and end up with 20 yards rushing. So if you add, if you add that into account uh, with his passing yardage, you, you might like Rodgers a little bit more. Atlanta's defense uh, usually faces a high passing volume due to the fact that, like we talked about, their offense scores so much, teams need to keep up in pace. And expect no different in this game. The 60 total, you just can't ignore that fact. Vegas knows what they're doing. The total 60, you got to think there's going to be a lot of points scored. The fact that Nelson and Adams are banged up, and like we touched on earlier in the show, Mike McCarthy saying, if this wasn't a playoff game, none of our receivers would play. That's a little concerning for me. But, however, we should expect that most of these guys are going to play, but the biggest question mark is going to land on the sick, hurt Jordy Nelson. And even if he's in the game as a decoy, that's better than not having him but we, we were able to see last week that um, they aren't exactly reliant on him. They can get it done without him. Uh, these receivers being out there in some mixture puts all of them in play for me. Ownership should be divvied, divvied up because of this. I think you're going to get a, uh, a, a mix, uh, a really uh, evenly spread out percentage on wide receivers from Green Bay, especially if Nelson's in the mix, that's going to divide it even further. Randall Cobb is actually my favorite play because he's finally gotten his swagger back. You can see it. He's, he's, he is confident in himself. He's healthy. He's the healthiest of these wide receivers. And between him and Jared Cook, these are my favorite two receiving options from the Screen Bay uh, receiving core. Cook is in a really good situation. Like we talked about last week with Jimmy Graham, Atlanta is one of the worst teams against tight ends. And Jared Cook is actually more involved in this passing game than Jimmy Graham is in Seattle right now. That makes Jared Cook probably my top tight end play this week. He could be in 100% of my lineups this week. Um, If I want to get crazy and contrarian and play multiple lineups, he might not be. But if I'm going to play a cash lineup this week, he's definitely in it. The Green Bay running game is there. It hasn't been great. In the playoffs, Montgomery won some people some money last week including our friend Zach Bruner from uh, Cleek Geeks. We talked about his lineup earlier. He found the end zone a few times. He was on the field for 77% of the snaps, and he saw more usage in the passing game. Um, He's definitely in play because this is a two-game slate. He'd be in play even if it wasn't, as far as I'm concerned, due to the fact that he saw 77% of the snaps. And again, with the receiving core banged up, he could see more targets in the passing game. They could split him out wide or they'll use him out of the backfield. Uh, to get him involved because he's a healthy target. The one issue we could see with Montgomery is the poor pass protection. Um, He was pretty bad against Dallas last week. This could force Ripkowski into the game to block on some of these passing downs, and it could even get Kristen Michael back into this fold as well. They had Michael uh, involved in the game returning kicks. He bobbled one and uh, put them in a bad situation. That's really not what he should be doing. I know they want to get this guy involved because he's a high-energy guy, but I think the best way to do that is to just hand him the football. Uh, Ripkowski is, is a dart throw. He, he shouldn't be in a high percentage of your lineups. If you want to get crazy, which you might need to do, if he finds the end zone for you, it could pay off. Um, again, Kristen Michael really shouldn't be in a high percentage of your lineups either, but the upside is still there 
from a guy that can slash and is a one-cut downhill runner like himself. He can uh, rack up yardage in a hurry. If he gets in the end zone, you're in good shape. Um, you know, that's where I'm looking at as far as this Green Bay offense is concerned. Anyone that sticks out to you, Cole, and, and anyone uh, besides Aaron Rodgers, obviously, that uh, you're probably going to roster. Uh, Rodgers, Montgomery, Cobb, and Cook. I'm going to have those four guys in probably all my lineups. I I think with the injuries to the wide receiver core, obviously Cobb is going to be huge. Uh, Cook, still huge. I mean, he's been playing great. And then I think Montgomery gets an uptick on um, on his receiving targets. I think he might even probably split time between running back and uh, wide receiver just because of their options. And then, I think Rip will still be back there in the backfield while Cobb's out there in the slot. Yeah, I could see that too. Um, any interest in a guy like Jeff Janis? I think if, depending on how many lines you're playing and how crazy you want to get, I wouldn't mind putting him in attorney just because, I mean, who else are they going to throw to? Besides, I mean, depending on how many of these injured uh, wide receivers play, but – I mean, is, is not, he more in play for you if, uh, let's say, Devontae Adams and Jordy Nelson are out? Then is, is Jeff Janis on your radar? Yeah. I think it kind of has to be. Okay, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with it, too. I think um, if both of those guys are in the game, I probably won't go there. But maybe even if one of them are out, I might try it just to see. Yeah, I mean, if you just do like a – a small uh, buy-in tourney and just put him in a lineup, it's not going to hurt you, really. I mean, if right. you don't yeah, mind losing a dollar as you lose. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So predicting this thing, um, you're 8-0, no, I'm 7-1. and one. Uh, I'm going Green Bay 41-31. to 31. I think this thing goes over 60 points. I'm with you on the going over. I got uh, Green Bay 37-34. to 34. Um, I'm nervous though. Yeah, it's Atlanta's got that offense is just I don't know, and their defense is fast. That's another like we. I mean, Dallas has a has a, a okay defense. They're good. Um, Giants, I think, have a better defense. Giants they actually scared me more than Dallas did, uh, just because of their defense. I'm not really ever worried about who we play on offense, it's just because I know our our defense, I mean, our offense is going to have to put up points regardless of who we play. So I'm, I really only look at the opposing defense because if they stop us, you know, half, the, half our possession, well, obviously half our possession, but I think we're going to need to score, like, close to, like, every other possession that we have. Just yeah, it's going to be their offense is going to put up a lot of a lot of points. I think. Yeah, this is the kind of game that the NFL wants, especially in the playoffs. This is going to be in a dome, no weather to affect it, and it's going to be uh, fireworks. Going to be it's going to be a high scoring game. Should be a fun one to watch. Yeah. So we're both on the Green Bay side of this thing. Um, I just think they're they're too hot. This team, this this quarterback, and this team is just on a mission right now, and it's going to be tough to stop them. 
I, I just think they have so much momentum. They're, they're, they're in a very similar position to where they were uh, the last time this team made the Super Bowl and, and, and played against a team that they could have to play against again in a Super Bowl rematch, and that's the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're going in to New England to face the New England Patriots. 50 and a half segue, is the, the total. Thank you. 50 and a half is the total. New England is favored by five and a half. And on the New England side of this thing, uh, like we said before, these teams also played against each other in regular season. The Patriots had a run-heavy game plan. They got up 14 to nothing early in that game, never lost the lead. But what you need to remember looking back at that game is that Landry Jones was the quarterback for Pittsburgh. But Garrett Blunt had 127 yards on the ground. He scored twice. And that was a game without Deion Lewis, who had been, who's been out-snapping Blunt the last three out of the four games. Not to mention we've got James White playing on 17% of the snaps. And the Steelers' defense has steadily improved their run defense over the course of the season. And when the Steelers don't get to the quarterback, their pass defense is vulnerable. So um, that st- this running game for New England is a little bit of a question mark for me because the Steelers' de- run defense has improved and the fact that there is three running backs to choose from out of New England. However, there's no passer to face Pittsburgh as far as the quarterback goes now, talking about Tom Brady. No passer to face Pittsburgh this season, as uh, not this season, excuse me, to face Pittsburgh has reached 265 yards passing since week 10. So this matchup could be better for Brady. But like we know, this is New England in the playoffs, and betting against them is something that's tough to do in January especially. Julian Edelman is always a solid play in any format like we talk about. There's a possibility that he's going to see Lawrence Timmons' coverage like we saw in Week 7. And if that's the case, Edelman's going to torch this guy. He could have a big day. Uh, with Malcolm Mitchell and Chris Hogan dealing with some injuries as well, we could see your guy, Cole, Michael Floyd, play a bigger role in this game. And I think he's a GPP tournament option for me this week. They really haven't been on the same page, him and Brady, quite yet. But on a two-game slate, like we've talked about, he's definitely in play for me. And I probably will have some exposure to him, especially if Mitchell or Hogan are out in this game. But we also need to remember when a team is playing Pittsburgh, that cornerback that's named Artie Burns. Not because of that 50s-esque name that, he, that he's got, but due to the fact that he's a corner that gets burned a lot. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. it took a while for you folks. took a while for you folks to get that one. But he's allowed the most catches and yards and touchdowns of any Pittsburgh cornerback. So he's the guy you want to target. Hogan, Mitchell, and Floyd could all match up with him, and whoever does match up with him could get a play deep. So if two of those three guys are out in this game, you want the other guy. Um, if, 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 two, if one of the three is out, you might still want to target the two. So anyone that's going to see Artie Burns' coverage is somebody you want to have on your fantasy team. Uh, like I said, we got to watch these wide receiver statuses moving forward. Uh, Bennett isn't really on my radar as far as a tight end position. Uh, if, I, if I were to look elsewhere than Jared Cook this week, he's probably going to be the guy. I, I, I don't want to do that, but I think 
he's probably the next safest play as far as a consistency standpoint. He really hasn't gotten it done lately. But, um, you know, especially if that receiving core is banged up, he's going to be a guy that Brady has a little bit more repertoire with. He might look to go there. So he's really not on my radar, but I, I can't blame you on a two-game slate if you got him in your lineup. Um, I think you could say that for a lot of these guys this week. But I think the real question mark in this game, Cole, is the running game for, for New England. And we're going to ta- I'm going to talk about that a little bit later in my calls of the week. But um, as far as, as what you're thinking, as far as just looking at this here on paper and, and what's gone on in the past week or two, um, what's your thoughts on that running game as far as who do you play? Is it Blunt, Lewis, White? Can you play them all? Who do you stay away from? What do you think? Um, I still really like Lewis just because they use him uh, the most as far as getting him in different positions. They use him at running back, obviously. They use him as a returner. They use him at wide receiver. They move him all over the field. They just try to get the ball in his hands. I think that just with his ability to just get the ball in a lot of different positions, he has the, most, um, he has the highest feeling as far as like, just getting yards and putting up points. Um, but this does look like a classic LeGarrette Blunt kind of down their throats um, January playoff game against a, like, against a tough defense. Uh, I don't know. I would still lean towards Lewis, though, just on the sheer fact that they just get him the ball in so many different ways. Um, Michael Floyd, uh, he hasn't done anything for me with all my predictions, but I don't hate him this week. Uh, like you said, he burns uh, on that other side of the field. Like they, he, from what I, obviously I'm watching the playoffs with the, uh, with the series on national TV a lot more, obviously. Um, he gets, and not to go off of your joke, but he gets burned all the time. It's oh, yeah. Like, they just, just target him the whole time. He'll be fine. Um, obviously, I like Edelman. Uh, he is probably going to be in every lineup of mine. Um, but, yeah, you pretty much nailed everything else. Uh, depending on how you want to stack your wide receivers with, you know, whatever matchups you want to play. But, yeah, Hogan and Mitchell uh, and then Floyd, you know, whoever you want to play. Obviously, Edelman's the best play out of those four guys. And then Bennett hasn't done anything for me. I don't really trust him. I wouldn't right. be upset. I, you know, I don't blame people if they were to play him, but he hasn't done anything for a long time. And you would, with Grant going out, he just seemed like that would be like the best spot uh, for a lot of weeks to play Bennett at his price and everything. But he just hasn't done anything in Grant's absence. Really, it's weird. I don't know if he's no, he hasn't. Him, uh... I don't know. He had a 10-point game against Miami two weeks ago, or uh, two games ago, I should say. And, and But he's also listed on their injury report. Uh, some news came out at 5 o'clock tonight uh, that he's listed as questionable now. So there's a chance okay. that yeah. Bennett, Bennett could not be in the lineup, and a team that likes to go multiple tight end sets may not be able to, and we could see a lot of receiver sets for Tom Brady and the Patriots which that could affect their running game as well. 
um, against a team who's really starting to stack the box and blitz the heck out of teams because their pass coverage is so bad they need to get to the quarterback to help them. Um, So that could be concerning as well uh, for that running game from New England. But again, um, as far as I'm concerned, it's tough to to really put put all your chips against uh, New England in the playoffs. That's a Vegas reference because I was just there. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Moving to the Pittsburgh side of this game, you know, they were able to get by Kansas City last week on the road. Uh, Like we expected, they were less than sharp. But, again, like we said earlier in the show, without scoring a touchdown, they were able to get by Alex Smith and the Chiefs. Le'Veon Bell is money each and every week, as we know. He's a must-start in all cash games. He's going to be in 100% of those lineups for me. If you don't have Le'Veon Bell in your cash lineups this week, you will lose. It will be hard to overlook him in any format for me. New England does have a stout run defense. They rank number four in the league. But the fact that Bell is so patient, he's able to chip away yardage here and there. He had 160 yards last week. Um, not only 170. Excuse me, 170. Yeah, thanks for the correction. No, thanks. Um, Thank you. Not, <laughs> not, not only is he, is he a huge part of their running game, obviously, but he plays such a huge role in the passing game, and that's where New England struggles against pass-catching running backs We've talked about that on the show before. They gave up the NFL's third most receptions, 101, and receiving yards over 800 to running backs this season before surrendering 10 catches to Texan running backs last week. That sounds pretty good to me uh, and makes a good case to play Le'Veon Bell in all your lineups. New England hasn't faced a quarterback like Ben Roethlisberger in quite a while. They've faced Jared Goff, Matt Moore, Trevor Simeon, Ryan Fitzpatrick twice, and Colin Kaepernick all before seeing Mr. Brockweiler last week. So this pass defense hasn't proved its numbers, but who wouldn't playing quarterbacks like that? And I don't really like playing the Steelers on the road. And for that reason, I'm not going to play Ben Roethlisberger in cash games. But obviously we can't overlook the fact that this is a high-powered offense. And when they play to their capability, um, there's, there's someone you can't ignore, but w- what team will we see? And as weird as it is, if Pittsburgh was playing at home, I would be all over them this week. But because they're not, I can't, I can't confidently recommend playing any of these guys besides Le'Veon Bell in any other, for- in any other format than turn- tournaments. It's tough for me to pull the trigger on any other wide receiver than Antonio Brown because the inconsistency – uh, is just there from all these other guys. The guy who everyone wants to talk about first, other than Brown, is Eli Rogers. But this guy just doesn't seem to make plays. Last week, he only had 27 yards. This week, he's going to get Logan Ryan. That's New England's best uh, pass defender, best cornerback. So uh, Eli Rogers is not somewhere that I'm going to go. I know Walkers really likes Eli Rogers. He's been playing them, him for weeks. He hasn't ever really panned out for him. I'm not sure why he keeps doing it, but he does. That's not somebody that I would play. Um, if you want to get contrarian, uh, he's probably the safest dart throw from the Pittsburgh receivers. I mean, the safest. You've got some other guys you can look at there. Um, you know, you got guys like uh, 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 Hamil- Hamilton. Um, you got guys like uh, uh, Hayward Bay. 
Um, Ayers, I mean, I don't know. There's really nothing to go on there to pick, to take those guys. You're really, you're really, it's a shot in the dark. If you do that and it pays off for you, good for you. But you can't honestly say that you knew it was going to happen. It's just a lucky thing. Jesse James had five catches for 83 last week. He's becoming more involved in this offense. Um, even if Ladarius Green plays, I would play Jesse James over him. Um, Jesse James, if Bennett is out, is definitely my second tight end. He's probably the next best guy after Jared Cook, in my opinion. Um, Cole, uh, I think you're a little bit more on the Pittsburgh side of this game than I am. So as far as their offense goes, you know, do you think we can trust to play these guys? And um, how much exposure are you going to have to these guys this week? Uh, well, the one guy that I would have, like you said, would be Le'Veon Bell. I think he is going, and I'll wait for my prediction, but I think he's going to just tear this defense up. Um, and like you said, this really hasn't faced a team that has been, like, good in a while. I think they have one of the easiest schedules in the NFL. Um, like how I've been saying this whole playoff podcast things that we've been doing the last couple of weeks, like Steelers have been there. Ben Roethlisberger has been there. These guys have been there. They've been through some shit. They know what, we're, what they're doing. They know how to get to the Super Bowl. And it, I don't know. I just, I don't, I see it going uh, in a different way than I think a lot of people are thinking. I just think Bell is a great play. I think Ben Rothberg can make enough plays. Uh, I think, and I like how you said Logan Ryan is their best cornerback because he is. Uh, I don't know if people really know that, but um, statistically wise, he is their best cornerback. And uh, Antonio Brown will be matched up with, uh, what's his face, Butler. And I think he'll, he'll be able to, I don't, if Butler can get his hands on him, that'll be a problem. But Antonio Brown, his explosiveness, he's so much faster and quicker than uh, than Butler. I think once he gets loose, it, it's going to be tough for him. But with that and those three guys, I just think it's crazy how the Steelers really only have three guys on offense. It's the three Bs, it's Ben and Bell and Brown. They don't have anybody else on offense. Like, how, did, how have they made it this far? I don't understand. And their defense isn't great. <laughs> like that, it's not that they have that classic Steelers defense where they just shut everybody down. It's like they just put up points. I don't understand how they do it. It's really just those three guys. It's weird. Uh, it's, yeah, I just – go ahead. Yeah, it's, it's, it's those three guys, like you said, and, and they're like a, a Jekyll and Hyde team. You don't know which team you're going to get. Um, I, I heard a quote uh, – on a radio show earlier this morning um, from a guy we talked about last week, new Denver Broncos head coach. Um, uh, wow. Um, I'm forgetting his name. Yeah. Too. The Miami Dolphins defensive coordinator, Joseph, uh, the Van, new head coach, Van, Vance, Vance Joseph, Joseph. Uh, the, the new head coach from Denver. And he was saying that, uh, you know, the same kind of things that, you know, this is a team that, uh, you, you, you know, they just get things done. They're streaky. They're uh, gritty. Um, you know, they, they, they're, they're tough and, and they find, they find a way to get it done, whether it's uh, their explosiveness that again, it's amazing how a team like this 
can be so much different at home than on the road. Um, we just don't see that explosiveness that their offense has at home on the road. So that's really um, what caused me to pick against them last week. And that's really why I'm picking against them again this week. Um, because they're on the road in the fact that it's new England in the playoffs in, in January. And uh, what's that? I just uh, playoffs. Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs. I just hope we can win a game. When you first clicked that and you said, what's that? I was like, who's in the background, but then it clicked. I was like, Oh, he hit the, hit the sound bite. Okay. <laughs> I don't know who it yeah, was. The playoffs. It's New England in the playoffs. So uh, predictions for this game. Like I said, I got New England winning this thing in a in a in a seven point game, twenty seven to twenty. Uh, I got New England. And you're on the other side uh, of this thing. Yeah, I'm going with Pittsburgh again. Uh, I think uh, James Harrison is going to rip Tom Brady's head off, and uh, New England is going to lose at home. Uh, P- Pittsburgh will be on top, twenty four to twenty. So we have nearly identical scores. I just have it flipped. Right, right, yeah. So it, again, that's uh, that could cause you to to go up two on me and put it out of reach, or uh, I could tie this up with a New England win and going into the Super Bowl. That's kind of why I did it. So if I can put it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, it's it's good to have it. To, you know, going either way and. Um, it should be interesting. It's it, both of these games are are really compelling. I think it's going to be really really good TV. The NFL couldn't write it any better. Uh, Probably if they rigged. were to, if this if this yeah if it was rigged they couldn't have rigged it any more perfect. So it's going to be a good a good weekend for football. And I'm glad both of these games are on Sunday. I really don't like the Saturday games. I got stuff to do Saturday. You know I don't want to watch right pro football on Saturday. So moving on to our calls of the week, and um, I was able to get one up on them last week. It's now three to two, Cole in the lead. Uh, last week, uh, I said that Taylor Gabriel would score the most points of any Atlanta wide receiver. That wasn't the case. It was close, but Julio was that guy. But I said that Houston would be within 10 points until the third quarter. That did happen. Now, they were into the third quarter, and they were within 10. So that did happen. I got one there. Uh, I said Ben would be forced to leave the game due to injury, leading Landry Jones to finish the game in a Pittsburgh loss. Ben did get close. banged up on a play. Yeah, I, I thought you were going to get that one. And I thought it was going to happen too. And it may have happened had Pittsburgh gotten the ball back sooner because he was definitely hurt after that play. Yeah. But uh, I think all he had to do was come in and kneel it out, correct? Uh, I think he had one more series before that, or or at least okay. maybe it was the same series. They just needed a first down or something. Right. Yeah, he didn't play much after that, but, yeah, he was able to finish the game out. So I thought there yeah. was a chance that that was going to happen. Um, and then Kansas City gets the two-point conversion, but there's a flag. It gets called back, which was clearly a hold. I, I seen some complaining on Twitter from Chiefs fans. Are you kidding me? I don't, that, that, yeah. There's a Chiefs fan I mean, at work. Uh, who I overheard him talking to, and there's so many people just I that I'm around all day that don't know anything about football, and it bothers me. Um, but I overheard him saying, "Yeah, the refs basically won the game for the for the Steelers. They called some BS hold on 
Oh, jeez, it was so stupid. Okay, well, if you watched any football in your life, you know that's one of the easiest hold calls to make. It was so blatant. Yeah. Yeah, that was a blatantly obvious call. They got it right. And um, Kansas City paid the price there. They couldn't get back in the end zone for the two-point conversion. So, uh, And my last call was that the Packers would hold Zeke under 100 yards rushing. I, that, that might have happened there. They did, they did pretty well against him in the first half, but he had a couple of nice runs later on in the game. And that didn't happen. I think he had 150-something, if I remember yeah, right. Yeah, I was, I was kind of uh, – because they did hold him for a while. Because I was keeping yeah. an eye on that one because that was uh, that was in the last one, but that was a big one that I was I was just keeping an eye on. It's kind of tough because you know I'm rooting for the Packers. Obviously, I don't want any of the Cowboys players to do well, but I also don't want you to tie me up or anything. So I was hoping he gets over 100, but not like too much. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, so your call, call of the week last week, yeah. What'd you have? I had uh, Julio doesn't get more than 50 yards receiving. Uh, almost. He only had 67, which really that, – that's what I'm saying. Like, he, he peaks and valleys with this guy. It's weird. Uh, Michael Floyd catches two touchdowns. He didn't catch one. Damn it, Michael. Uh, this one was really <laughs> close. Alex Smith has a better passer rating than Big Ben. Uh, Big Ben has 72-and-a-half, and – Alex Smith had 69.7. Really close. Uh, then my last one was Dez drops three touchdown passes. Just to kind of go along with Dez dropped it um, from last, I forget when it was, two years ago. Uh, but he didn't drop any. So didn't get any of them. So I was over this week. Well, you still got a lead three to two, and we go into this week. There's only two games, so we each only have two calls. Um, we could have did a few more, but I think uh, keeping it simple, sticking to two is fine. So uh, what are your two calls of the week this week? Aaron Rodgers and Matt Ryan combined for 750 pass yards. A lot of numbers in that game, a lot of fireworks. And then, uh, so the wild card, uh, Le'Veon Bell rushed for, I think, 167, which was a, a Steelers record, playoff record. Uh, then last week he rushed for 170, which obviously broke his own record. And this week I think he breaks it again and gets over 170 yards. So three weeks in a row, uh, rushing record in the playoffs for, for the Steelers for Le'Veon Bell. Okay. I, I, I like it. Uh, when I first saw the Rodgers and Ryan call, I was thinking, well, come on, that's, that's going to happen. But then when you, when it was seven fifty, um, that's, you know, that's, that's quite a bit of yardage. So, uh, a lot of yards, that's, that's a lot of yards and it's, it's definitely doable. It's definitely doable. Um, so, uh, my, my calls this week, number one, uh, out of that Packer Atlanta game is that Muhammad Sanu is going to catch two touchdowns. I just think he's going to have a big game in the slot and he's a big target for Matt Ryan. And if they get, uh, you know, past that 30 yard line, close to the, close to the red zone, I think Sanu is going to be a target for him. Um, I just think he's going to have a big game. So I'm kind of backing that up. I think he's going to have two touchdowns. 
And then this is one that's going to kind of go along with, you know, that interesting situation in the New England backfield. And uh, I think the Patriots are going to have to throw more than they'd like to in this game. Because if Martellus Bennett is out, that's going to force them um, to, to use more wide receivers than they'd like. And that running game is going to be affected because Pittsburgh blitzes a lot. And, and that's going to make them, uh, you know, spread it out and throw it, get it out of Brady's hands quickly. So uh, my call is that James White is the only Patriots running back that will score a touchdown. And so um, that, that being said, I'm going to have to have is a that line with any James White. Sort of touchdown? So is that any, like sort, any of sort of touchdown? touchdown? Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Any, you know, actually, you know what? Uh, hmm. Let me think about that. Because Lewis is on the kick, kick and punt returns now. Um, let me think about that. It's let's 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 <laughs> change that to off offensive touchdown. Okay. Does that work? Yeah, I'm good with that. Okay, so that's going to be offensive touchdown. So so if Deion Lewis returns a kick or punt return, that's not going to count. Are you good with my really 750 not. yards? Or do you want me to go to eight? Um. Well, that's because I mean, what is that? That's uh, that's that's three, three twenty-five, three seventy-three, three twenty-five. Yeah. Um, no, it's 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 uh, three seventy-five. Three seventy-five. I'm terrible at math. Yeah, it is three seventy-five. Yeah. So three seventy-five. I I I think I'm okay with that. Yeah. I, I'll. Okay. That's good. That's good with me. All right. I and think then, uh, uh, you went with probably throw for seven hundred of that, and then Matt Ryan will just get fifty. <laughs> well, hey, you'll still you'll still make your mark. So it'll be uh, right. it'll be interesting to see what happens here. I think uh, if I get my two right, um, you know, I'm I'm gonna play both these guys in the same lineup to back that up. And if that happens, I think that lineup will be a be a winner. Um, yeah, that's true. All right, uh, those are our calls of the week. Let's get into the coach's corner for this week. And uh, this is going to be kind of a Las Vegas theme because I just got back from Vegas, as I mentioned earlier in the show. And when I was down there, I noticed that there was an overwhelmingly uh, large amount of fans from two, from two NFL teams. And yes, there were some others sprinkled in, but there was more fans from these two NFL teams than any other teams. One of the teams had a game last weekend and one of them didn't. And the team that had a game last weekend was the Green Bay Packers. There were fans everywhere. There were Packer fans all over the street, uh, throughout the casinos, all over the place. We watched the game in a packed casino bar. There were uh, screaming fans everywhere. It was, it was a blast. But, but back to the point, the other team's fans that I noticed were those of the Oakland Raiders. Or I guess I should probably say the team formerly known as the Oakland Raiders. They've just filed paperwork to move to Las Vegas. So the potential relocation of the Raiders from Oakland to Vegas is pretty controversial for many reasons, obviously. But there's one reason, uh, something I was reading about, that uh, is kind of interesting uh, in this topic. And that's the fact that the Raiders players, coaches, and other relocating employees would take home a lot more in net pay because their salaries would remain the same in Nevada. But, however, Raiders employees would be relocating from the highest 
state personal income taxes in the country to the lowest. And they would enjoy a much more affordable cost of living, too. Uh, I, I was speaking to actually two real estate agents when I was in Vegas, and um, mm-hmm. they, were both, they were both explaining to me that uh, the, the, the uh, real estate there is actually pretty cheap, and it, and it really is, uh, if what they said was true. So uh, to be sure, though, the relocation to Las Vegas would come with disadvantages for some of the Raider players and coaches. And, um, you know, obviously the fact that some of them probably do enjoy living in Oakland. They have families that are settled there. But when it comes to the financial situation, Vegas is going to mean more dollars in the players' coaches, players and coaches' bank accounts, which is to my big point here in the coach's corner. The biggest issue that this team is going to have is keeping the money that they will save from moving to Nevada in their pockets. How do you keep a 21, 22, 23-year-old who just became a millionaire overnight, essentially, from blowing his money in that environment? Do you have curfews? Do you have team rules? Do you have a buddy system? And to me, it sounds like a coaching headache uh, being in that environment. The media scrutiny is going to be huge in a city with all eyes on its new team. And I can imagine that all of these distractions that are in that city, the city that never sleeps, could bring the Raiders right back to a team that they took so long to rebuild from. This could also put the government eyes on the NFL and the NFL's product. And the NFL definitely doesn't want that. The idea of a government-mandated uh, sporting system in the United States is a real threat and something that the government has proposed in the past, regulating um, the NFL because it's such a big business. They're basically able to do whatever they want, however they please, and the government doesn't like anyone to challenge their authority. So the government would have a reason to take a microscope on what the NFL is doing if they have a team in Las Vegas. Um, this is going to be a PR nightmare. I think we all know that. I think you're going to have a scandal here, a scandal there. Um, I think you're going to have uh, a lot of players that have problems with gambling. Uh, I think it's just the nature of the beast of a team in Las Vegas. The NHL is going to have the same problem. Um, they're going to have uh, an NHL franchise in Las Vegas as well. So I think all that's a real threat, and I think it's going to be a real challenge for head coach Jack Del Rio and the coaching staff of the Oakland Raiders to kind of combat that. Yeah, they're adults. Yeah, uh, they're professional players, but they're young. A lot of them are young, and they're young millionaires. And how uh, are you going to be able to keep their attention on football and on the task at hand and not on all the distractions? So that's my coach's corner of the week. I think it's an interesting topic. Um, I'm interested to kind of – see what your thoughts on that whole thing are. I think, you know, just looking at it at face value, there's not a better team than the Raiders that could represent Las Vegas. I know it's kind of a badass uh, uh, matchup there with just like just Vegas in general. And then just the Raiders is just, it just kind of makes sense. Um, I'm kind of half and half with you on this. I, I get the, the concern with, and I didn't even say what I was concerned with. Um, concerned with a young, young kid, a millionaire, living in Vegas. 
And when we talk about when coach is talking about the government thing, we're not talking about like we're not talking about politics stuff on here. We're just talking about just uh, you know government just trying to regulate because it has been brought up in the past trying to regulate what the NFL does and um, and not even just with the NFL but just with like gambling and like they're obviously you know involved in that sort of stuff because you know government likes money so if you make money they're trying to get it from you. Um, but that has nothing to do with like politics or anything. That's just government in general. Um, so that is also a worry because in a city that is made off of gambling and then now you have a, a pro football team, you know, the biggest thing in America in that city, that's a little bit concerning. Um, but I, they obviously went over stuff. I mean, some of you just like put together this last night. So, I mean, they don't come out with a bunch of stuff to, to tell the, the public everything, but I'm assuming they went over some stuff um, in some meetings and talked about this sort of stuff. Uh, but the biggest thing to go with what you were saying was just with the with the young kids, with the money. I assume that, yes, these are adults, that they can kind of police themselves a little bit. And they, I know just from watching them a lot this season, just because they were such an up-and-coming team this season. Uh, Carr, he's a pretty strong leader. Uh, Mac, he's a pretty strong leader. they got some good leaders on that team. And I, I think with, uh, with the way that they're an up-and-coming team, I don't think this is uh, necessarily a team that you have to worry about with this personnel uh, kind of slipping back into their old, old ways of we've seen Raiders I mean, I don't think the Raiders have been good since uh, the Tuck Rule, really. And then, and that was however many years ago. So, I'm not too worried about about these guys being in Vegas. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, that's a lot of speculation and something we really can't count on the fact. Uh, but, but you know, the the possibility is there. Uh, the other interesting fact of this is the fact that sports betting is legal in Las Vegas. Right. So, um, you know, that brings uh, another issue in itself. Will you have a Pete Rose type situation with somebody down there? And of course you're going to get a lot of special treatment in these casinos um, due to the fact that they are professional athletes. Uh, in that city. And I think you're going to have a lot of uh, crime uh, revolving around that. And it could be something that's really interesting. I think um, there may, you know, you could possibly see some rules imposed uh, on these players that they're not allowed in casinos there. I could see that. Um, I can see that too. So it, 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 it would definitely be interesting. Uh, it'll be interesting going forward. I think it's a good fit. If there's ever a team that from the NFL that would, that would be able to thrive there. It's them. I, I think they have a huge fan base on that, that portion of the United States. I seen it. There were a lot of Raider fans there already. So I, I think they're welcoming them with open arms. I think, um, and I noticed this, you know, in the past when I was in Vegas, uh, there's actually Packer bars there. You can go, um, you know, uh, around the area down there. And there's actually green Bay Packer bars that are Packer themed. So I think, um, from from what I noticed, the Packers were kind of their team up until now. Um, but uh, 
you know, we'll have to see how it, how it goes from here, but I think they're going to open, uh, welcome the Raiders with open arms there. And uh, the stadium uh, design that I've seen is, is really amazing. So, um, you know, that's going to be pretty cool if that, if that goes through. Okay. So that's the coach's corner. That's the coach's <laughs> corner. And, uh, uh, you know, we're going to move into the final segment of the show. And um, we're going to rename this thing. It was, we, were, we were calling it Cole's Words of Wisdom. But uh, it just didn't sound very good, to be honest with you guys. So we're renaming this thing Cole's Comments. It just flows off the tip of the tongue a lot better. So, Cole, what are your comments today? Uh, one thing that I want to bring up, I had this conversation at work with somebody that actually knows football. Uh, I was – we were talking about just quarterbacks, and then I I don't want to be a victim of recency bias, you know, just – looking at the what's going on right now and then just basing my opinion just off that. But attributes-wise, you know, not taking, you know, awards or accolades and all that stuff because majority of that stuff is team things anyways. I, I really think that Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback of all time. Um, and I put down six things, and if you want to include something else that maybe I forgot, but arm strength, accuracy – Mobility, throwing on the run, throwing while not set, not set slash, you know, throwing from different positions, uh, and then intelligence obviously would be one. Um, I I just think he's at the top of each one of these, like top three. I think he's the best quarterback to ever throw on the run that we've ever seen. I know Steve Young is up there. Marino uh, was pretty mobile. He he wasn't much. I mean, he could throw on the run, but that's not really what he's known for. But his his pocket presence, his, his ability to move around the pocket. He was way up there. Uh, but throwing on the run and then throwing while not set and throwing from different positions, I don't think anybody is in the same category as Rodgers. And the guy I was talking to, he was talking about, uh, you know, like some other stuff like intelligence. I was like, well, yeah, he's not, I mean, obviously a lot of quarterbacks are really smart. And he was saying Peyton Manning is probably the smartest quarterback. And while I probably have to agree with him, as far as being the smartest quarterback, but I've never seen a quarterback get as many free plays as Aaron Rodgers. And it's not like he just goes up there and doesn't know what the defense is doing. He obviously knows uh, the sets and everything, and he changes the plays, and he does that all the time. He catches – I don't know, how how many times did he catch the uh, Cowboys with an extra player on the field? And the Cowboys came back and, like – well, not not come back in the game, but they – uh, interviews before the game, they talked about how they were going to change up their substitution, and then they came in after halftime and with the interview with whoever sideline reporter, saying that like, yeah, we uh, we kind of need to change up our plan. Like, you didn't think of that before you played Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs that you maybe need to change your plans with how you sub people. Like he, that's one of his trademarks is getting people to jump off sides and then getting too many players on the field. He, and then his accuracy, he's got the best all-time of uh, touchdown and interception ratio. There's just – I mean, he's got everything that you look for in a quarterback. I, if you were to create a quarterback, I'm pretty sure besides, you know, like a 7-foot, 300-pound guy that can run a, a four-flat 40, if you're going to create a realistic quarterback – 
you could create Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I I don't know who. Yeah, Tom Brady has rings, but to me, that's a team thing. And like I said in the show before, uh, the Patriots have a actually a really good winning percentage without Tom Brady. Um, Peyton Manning, he cannot move. Also, Tom Brady can't move. Cannot throw on the run. Uh, Tom Brady actually, like, and I, I don't mean to be a Tom Brady hater. I know he's really good. But there's so many times, and I think maybe it's just later in the years, just because of his age and that's uh, something that happens in sports. Um, his deep throw accuracy is actually not great. Uh, his receivers adjust so much to the ball on his deep throws. It's, I mean, and, I mean, everyone knows Peyton Manning. Um, he was never the strongest arm. He he was very accurate, and so obviously he knew where to put the ball before he threw it 50 yards downfield like a duck, but he got it there. Um, but I, I think at the at the least he's like top three at every little at every category that you look for in a quarterback, and he's the best at throwing on the run and throwing ball on that set. So I don't. I don't know, what are your thoughts on that? I, I think it's a really cool conversation. Um, I, we just we just went ahead and put up a poll on uh, Coach and Cole show at Coach and Cole on Twitter uh, that Aaron Rodgers is the greatest quarterback of all time. Do you agree? Yes or no? Go ahead and get on there and vote and tell us what you think. Um, do I think he's the greatest quarterback of all time? I think it's hard to. To say that at this point, do I think he's on his way? I do. Uh, like you said, um, you know, it's it's hard to compare uh, this this at anything. Um, you know, this is this is sort of subjective. Um, you know, we do have the numbers to look at, but it's it's hard to compare players from different eras in any sport. Yeah, it's it's like in, yeah. in the NBA, you can't compare. Shaquille O'Neal to, uh, you know, somebody like uh, uh, George Gervin or, or another big man from 40, 30 years before, George Mikan. You can't compare Shaquille O'Neal to George Mikan. It just doesn't – you just can't do it. It's a different era, different style of, of play. Um, you know, there, there may have been a guy 30 years ago uh, that could have – uh, compared to his numbers now, if he was in the system that Aaron Rodgers is in. But I think what you really have to look at when you're looking at this stuff is right now, uh, 2017, uh, with the medicine we have, the training, the technology, the knowledge, um, and, and just the fact that guys are bigger, faster, smarter, and stronger. They study more. They have more technology to be able to to uh, recognize certain things on the field. Um, you know, there's so much more preparation for games than there were years ago, even in the 80s and 90s. I, I think that you have to say Aaron Rodgers is top three right now. I, I, I just, I, I agree. You know, I don't want to sound biased. Um, you know, listeners know that we are Packer fans, and there's probably guys right now are going, what the heck are these guys talking about? Get real. Um, but um, you know, you, you just you just take it for what it is. Arms, like you said, arm strength, accuracy, intelligence, uh, recognition, 
the ability to change plays at the line of scrimmage, um, you know, uh, uh, always being aware of what's going on in the field. Like you said, he catches guys substituting all the time at every game. He's catching somebody substituting and, and then his ability to draw defenders offside at the hard count. He's just got the total package. I think the only thing uh, to answer kind of what you said about if you were going to build a quarterback from the ground up, the only thing that you would change about Aaron Rodgers is you'd make him 6'5 or 6'4, not 6'2 or 6'1. And I think that's something that he's talked about in the past where because he was short, he got overlooked. And, you know, you could say the same thing about a guy like Drew Brees, uh, not, not tall enough, but, you know, I think both of these guys have proven that you don't have to be the stereotypical 6'3", 6'4", 6'5", to be successful in the NFL. So, I don't know, that was kind of a long-winded answer, but uh, I think, uh, I think you're, you're, you're not far off by saying that. I think you're going to have a lot of um, current NFL fans of the Patriots, uh, obviously with Tom Brady, um, and maybe former fans of guys like Joe Montana, Dan Marino, John Elway, uh, and even Packer fans with Brett Favre, I think that might argue with you on that, on that point. But I think, um, you know, again, they're all a little bit different uh, in their style of play. I mean, every one of them you can pick out a little bit of, a little, little something different, and that's what's kind of cool about about football. But um, I think I you're think, you're right on you're right on track. I think Rogers is a combination of a lot of guys' best shit, though. Like, I think Peyton Manning is the smartest quarterback I've ever seen play football, and I'm not going to say Rogers is up there with him. But I think Rogers is one of the smartest quarterbacks I've seen. I Tom Brady, I mean, he's really freaking smart. And he's mobile in the in the pocket. He moves his feet a lot, and he's really good at moving the pocket with himself. Um, and his accuracy in the, uh, in, the, in the short game is really good. Uh, for the Packer fans, Brett Favre, I don't see how you watch Rodgers and think Brett Favre was better, honestly. Um, we watched Favre our whole lives. Um, and he used to give us heart attacks with this shit. Like his, <laughs> he, we get that he's a gunslinger, and he was—he's probably my—I I put Rogers above, but he's a top five favorite football player of all time for me, definitely, probably top two. Um, but his ability to throw interceptions was ridiculous, and I don't know. I and I think with like Marino, I obviously didn't watch a lot of Marino, but I. I've watched stuff. I've watched films on him and stuff like that. Like Steve Young, very mobile. I don't, I don't know. I just I think you could put a lot of guys in these categories, and Rogers would be at the minimum like top four in each one of these. And like I said, I think he'd be the best on throwing on the run. Um, but I will go with you if he continues playing the way he's been playing his whole career, then I don't. I don't see how he doesn't. Um, but the thing is, if, is that he'll get judged off a ring, like all quarterbacks yep. do. If he wins the Super Bowl this year, I think he's automatically going to be a top three for everyone uh, from here on out. Yeah. There, there's and, no doubt. 
this is a it's a cool conversation. You know, it's, it's one I'm glad you brought up, and this is giving me an idea. Uh, let's continue with this conversation because this is something that a lot of people always like to talk about. Like I said, it's subjective, but uh, let's we're gonna have you know we're we're gonna set something up. Let's let's do uh, you know uh, some sort of poll, something on on uh, social media accounts at Coach and Cole on Twitter. Uh, we're on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash the coach and Cole show. Um, we're going to put this out there for, for the listeners, uh, to, to give their two cents on who they think is the greatest quarterback of all time. And, um, we'll check on this throughout the week and that'll give us uh, a starting point for next week's show, something to talk about. And, uh, I think it's a really, really good conversation. And I think, um, you know, if if Aaron Rodgers is able to win this game this weekend and, and win the Super Bowl, I think uh, he's got a, definitely a case uh, for being considered the best quarterback of all time. There's no doubt about it. Yep. So coming down to the wire, I think it's been a good show. Thank you, everyone, uh, for sticking with us and listening to the show, joining us again this week. Um Speaking of that, before we go, we did have uh, a poll. We have a poll going currently right now uh, on our Twitter, and that is uh, who does everyone think is going to win this week's NFL championship games? And right now the voting is still going. It's going to go up right up until game time starts. But at this point, uh, 40% lead is the Green Bay Packers and the New England Patriots are our listener votes for who they think is going to win. And the other three teams are tied at 20%. So there's still a day left to vote. Um, go ahead and make your, your voices heard. Go ahead and vote on that thing. And and uh, we'll see how that voting progresses and see who comes out on top uh, going forward here. So we want to thank you. We're live on Blog Talk Radio. Thank you for joining us. We're on demand on iTunes and on TuneIn. You can catch us there immediately after the show. Um, again, we're on Twitter at Coach and Cole. We are on Blog Talk Radio. You can search for us there. We are on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash Coach and Cole. I'm on Twitter at Coach037. Cole, you're on Twitter at ThatKingCole715. Uh, and uh, he's definitely worth a follow. Even if you're, uh, uh, you don't want to talk sports all the time, he's talking all kinds of stuff, movies, entertainment, uh, you name it. Anything else you want to say before we get out of here, Cole? Nope. <laughs> All right. Hey, well, thank you for joining us again. This has been the Coach and Cole Show. I'm the coach. And I'm Cole.